This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Richard Kuntz, and I am with... Cindy Jennings. We are coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, on the shores of beautiful Lake Superior in northeastern Minnesota, where it is still fall, but it's winter. You know, uh, that was a great uh, call-in segment. I like that one. It was that the was, best. It Market. was. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember this date. Best one. And uh, people must have been drinking their coffee this morning, <laughs> speaking of. Everybody but me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that was a great segment. I like talking about some of the topics that are controversial in a particular way because I got strong opinions. And my opinions are correct. <laughs> Anyhow, so we have uh, we have here with us a special guest, a good friend of mine, Jody Stauber. Jody, welcome to Real Presence Live. Well, thanks for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Well, I'm a Duluth native, and my husband and I have um, five children, and we live here locally, and I'm retired from the military, and I've done some other things uh, since I retired, but mostly right now I'm staying home and mine in the ranch, as they say, with the, with the kids at home, so I'm really enjoying that. Tell me a little bit or tell the listeners a little bit about your military because you you had pretty uh, a good military career. I did. It was uh, I joined the military when I was eighteen, and I was scared to death to to leave home like that for the first time. And at the time, I had no intentions of going to college or anything. I didn't think that was something that um, anyone encouraged me to do. I joined the military. I left home. And I came back an adult, and um, I spent 24 years, just shy of 24 years in the military, and had a wonderful career. It was, it was much uh, more exciting than I had ever dreamed. I always encourage people to join the military. It was a uh, very broad, very deep experience for me, and I ended up being the command chief at the 140th Fighter Wing. The first female, the fir- right? First female to hold is that Is it the position. only still? Uh, nope, not the only. Okay, okay. Nope, nope. So a good friend of mine has been the command chief there now, and now she's actually the state command chief as uh-huh. well. I was just promoted, but um, she is doing a wonderful job there. But I was the first at the time, and um, I deployed to Iraq and spent um, five months in Iraq, um, Doing doing duty there, and that was a very broad and deep experience as well. Yeah, yeah. That's left, great. left Pete at home with um, four kids at the time, and he was Mister Dad. And yeah. well, it serves him right, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> he, yeah, he got a good little taste of what yeah. it's like. <laughs> well, thank you for your service. It's oh, uh, very thank important. you. And anytime I see somebody from military, I, I try and remember to thank them for their service. But uh, you know, we're not talking about the military as great as that is in your service, especially on this day, the 80th anniversary of Pearl That's Harbor. That's right. Yep. So, uh, shout out to our World War II vets out there. But uh, maybe speak a little bit about the the new venture that you and uh, your husband Pete has, have uh, entered into. First, maybe speak of your first your your biological children, and then you decided to go a different another route, a new route besides the biological children. Maybe you can speak to your right. to that a little bit more. So. You know, Pete was a police officer in the city for many years, and he's now retired. And uh, back, you know, over the years, he would come home and talk about kids that he would have to either take from the home or kids who were being neglected. And it always really stuck in my heart. And I would tell him, you can't tell me these stories because I can't forget. I can't let it go. I still wonder about some of these children, what's happened to them. And um, so we, we talked about doing foster care at that time and it, it, you know, we have four biological children um, and so we so what so okay so when you started how your youngest biological child when you f- first talked about foster care and went de- that direction how old was your youngest biological our, well child? our youngest was just probably still you know a baby you know she was um, okay. just young so it's been years you know we've kind of tossed this around for several years the, foster, the okay, fostering yeah, yeah. children and knowing that it was going to be a difficult thing and, and it was just not quite the right time you know it was 
you know how you know how life is, and then it gets away from you. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of these things, and it gets away from you. Mm-hmm. So a couple years ago, we had a family situation that was really near and dear to my heart, and we had two little kiddos in the in my extended family who needed some extra love and attention and care. And so I started helping um, some relatives take care of those children. And I, you know, that's when the idea of foster care popped in again. I thought, you know, may, maybe I should just get my license for foster care and I'll just see. I'll just do it. What, what can doing the paperwork, what, what can that harm anything? <laughs> just in case they need me further. And so I ended up going through the, the, the licensing process to become a foster parent. And parents, Pete and I both had to do that. And it was quite easy. Well, I was going to say, is that a long process? It's, it's pretty simple. It's huh? just paper, a little bit of paperwork. You know, it's pretty easy to meet with a licensor. And our licensor, my licensor in St. Louis County is just a wonderful, wonderful lady. And she led me through the process. Not a big deal. So background check, obviously. Yeah, right? background checks. Yep. And you have to have your home inspected for, you know, you have to have a fire extinguisher and, you know, okay. things right. like that. You know, simple okay. things. So I told my licensor repeatedly, you know, as much as I've always wanted to adopt, I've wanted to adopt since I was a teenager. It was something really? God put in my heart when I was a teenager that if I ever had the opportunity to adopt, I want to adopt. And I told my best friend multiple times over the years, if I'm on my deathbed and I have never adopted a child, I'm going to be sad. <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to. But then again, life gets away from you, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm old. I'm 53. Okay, so that, that ship has sailed, I'm thinking. This is when we, this is when we <laughs> interrupt and say, you're not old. <laughs> That's yes, you did. You did not interrupt me. Well, I noticed yeah, yeah. and say that. I'll give you the opportunity now. Oh, okay, you're not old. <laughs> thank you. You look forty. Oh, thank you. So, uh, you know, I told my licensor repeatedly as I was going through the process, I am not going to adopt. I'm too old. My children are teens, and some couple out of the house now. I'm not going to adopt as much as I'd like to. Right. Well, we started foster foster care. We got a little baby right from the hospital. And how long ago was that? That was. Um, uh, about two years ago, our first child that we had uh, fostered. And um, in 30 seconds after picking her up, we fell in love with her. And she is was just the dream baby. And we, our whole family really fell for her hard. And she was with you for how long? Five and a half months she was oh. with us. And, it, you know, as things go, we thought that she had, didn't have a place to go, right? Didn't have family. So what, what are we going to do? Well, we said we'll keep her. And we, of course, we love her and we want to, we want to make her our daughter. And as things go, we, she, it, without going into the whole detail of it, she did have extended family out there who did want her, which is a good thing. But um, with foster care, it's, um, you don't know what you're getting into with each case, and each case is different. And um, so she did leave and go to her adoptive family. And that was tough. That was um, the worst grief I've probably ever been through. Um, oh. It was, it was very, very deep. It was, I, I, yeah, we cried a lot. <laughs> if something happens to the kid again, like maybe they don't want her again, would they put her back in your care first before seeking other um, people prob- or ask you? They probably would call us, you know, if, if something were to go wrong. But she is with a wonderful family, and oh, I am not worried about her at all. It was just my motherly grief that, you know, I went down the road in my mind, and our family went down that road of, well, she's going to be ours, and we're just going to keep her, right? Aww. So. Um, I read something when I was looking into doing foster care. It was a quote that goes something like, um, this child's need for security and love far outweighs my fear of a broken heart. So that's what kept me going. And I thought, you know, I'm an adult. I can deal with a broken heart. But this child needs, there's many, many children that need but when you're but when you're living it, it's right. it's um, yeah I, that was different. I, I remember talking to you and your husband about that as that process was happening, and and uh, and I was 
actually, I think I was throwing it more to Pete than you. It's like, this is a discernment. You know, can Jody handle this again? Right. Because, you know, I mean, the whole family was mourning. The obviously. whole family. Uh, but, I mean, you were kind of like the spearhead of the whole thing. And so uh, I remember sitting with you in your in your home as this was all happening. It's like, I don't know if Jody's capable of taking this on again. And mm-hmm. so from my standpoint as priest was like, Let's discern whether or not foster care is still in your in right. the future. So how'd you how'd you pick up after that? Well, my grief was compounded. One, it was losing the baby that I thought I was going to mother forever. Number two was looking around my family and seeing my teenage sons bawling, my daughter bawling, my husband bawling over the loss of her, and I I felt tremendous guilt for putting them through this. Mm-hmm. I. I I thought, how could I rip this from them and, and put them through this? So I, 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 in my mind, I thought, I, I can't do this again. This is far harder than I thought. Well, my family did grieve, and we grieved hard. And we did shed a lot of tears. And then after, like, a couple weeks, I was shocked that each one of my children kind of came to me and said, Mom, are, you know, we're, when, when are we getting the next child? When are we going to foster again? I think we should foster again. I'm like, are you kidding me? After what you just went through, you want to do this again. And they all said, and my husband said, yes, if you can handle it, Mom, we can. We want to do it. And I was very shocked by that. And I, I took a couple more weeks um, to really try to think it through because, um, you know, I have a soft heart and I tend to fall in love with these babies. And that's, that's what draws me to want to do this in the first place. But I called my licensor back and I said, okay, I guess we're ready. And my family wants to do this and they're very encouraging to do this. They, they see the need and they want to do this. So... I think, and, and she said at the time, well, there's, we don't have a need at this moment, but we'll keep you in mind. I said, okay. And I, it was either later that day or the next day I got a call and said, can you come to the hospital and pick up this baby? Or, excuse wow. me, not the hospital. We had, they had a family, excuse me, this is, they had a family who um, had a baby who needed to be, be placed and he was four months old at the time. And he had been taken from his mother at six weeks old. So he's in a temporary foster care. So um, we went and picked him up. And again, 30 seconds later, we fell in love. <laughs> and we determined we're just, we're terrible at foster care. The, fo- the Stobbers are not good at foster care. We don't understand the basic premise of um, caring for a while and letting go. But um, <laughs> we, um, we've had him for over a year, well over a year now. And oh, wow. it, as it turns out, he does not have anyone. And I told my licensor multiple times, too, that I wasn't looking to replace the baby that we had to let go of. It, you know, that was a isolated incident, you know, mm-hmm. we, we were just going to foster. I said it again repeatedly and not, don't want to, at my age, adopt now. And, but as it turned out, he needed people. So, so when you went into, not to interrupt you, because mm-hmm. we only have a minute left and then we'll continue this after the break. But, but so did you enter into the second one thinking, okay, well, this is just a foster. The first one thinking maybe we can keep her. But did you kind of protect yourself and say, okay, this is just a fostering experience? Yes, at first, yeah. For sure. I kept telling myself that over and over and reminding myself that he needs love. We have love. We'll give love. And then we're going to let God decide. But um, practical words, yes, my heart doesn't work that same way. Right, right. You know, because it came to the point where we knew, okay, he does need people forever and he doesn't have anyone, any family forever. And I couldn't imagine him going anywhere else. And and. Anyone, everyone in my family said the same thing. There's no way he could go anywhere. So, so, you, so your head and your heart don't always work in conjunction right. with one another? They don't communicate. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking to Jody Stauber about the whole world of, of um, foster care and uh, uh, after the break, even adoption. And uh, we'll continue co- talking to Jody right after this brief break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live. 
where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. We listen to David Anders in the afternoon, and those conversion stories are really so fun to hear, and it's fun to hear somebody call in, and you can hear their conversion kind of happening over the phone, and you can kind of see St. Paul, you know, Saul being knocked off his horse on the phone call. It doesn't happen every day, but every so often you hear it happening, and you know that tens of thousands of people are praying for this person. And so when I said earlier that I gave money that we didn't really have, um, Mother Teresa says you give till it hurts, right? Didn't she say that? And um, so whenever I want to give, and I'm always wanting to hang back just a little bit, you know, I can I can afford this amount, and I know that God is pushing me a little bit more. So I think of that, give till it hurts, and so I push it a little bit more. And then when those conversion stories are happening, God speaks to me and says, "You got to keep giving because you're helping with that conversion." The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunz along with um, uh, Cindy Jennings. And we have been talking to Jody Sauber about the whole process of foster child and foster childing or foster parenting i'm sorry <laughs> and and uh and so we we before the break we got to the point of where all right you're looking at long term fostering and then the next option comes up is the possibility of making this not just fostering maybe you can pick up from there yeah so we so the county did end up telling us that this little guy um doesn't have anyone so um as we went along with the court court hearings etc we talked about his family. We actually had a family meeting and said, okay, you know, it, it is up to mom and dad how many children come into the to the world. But but we did since our children are older and this was kind of a family endeavor. We sat everyone down and said, so what do you guys think? And it was kind of funny because I already knew what they thought. And But I wanted to formally say, this: we're making this decision. What do you want to do? And they're all like, let's keep him, mom. Uh-huh. <laughs> you want him to be our brother. So we were very, very fortunate. Um, actually, this summer, so... His birthday is in June, and I got a call from the county um, the week before this little guy turned one, and they said, um, brother has a sister. Will you take sister, too, so we can keep the children together? 
and oh, I that's was a, that's an important oh, thing. Oh wow, to them, right? To that's keep an important thing. Together. It's an important thing, and so I started to hyperventilate. I think a little bit. Uh, my husband was on his way out of town. He's out of town quite a bit for work, and he was on his way out on a flight, and I was in a bit of a panic because. I, you know, this, there's this urgency and you want to, this is why we're doing this, right? Because this, this little, no, so his sister was in the hospital and needed to be picked up now. You're not picked up tomorrow or three weeks from now when you make your decision. You oh, should be picked up right now and she's oh. brand new, a little baby. And so I, I did panic a little bit in my mind. My heart was racing. I didn't know what to do. I knew what I wanted to do, but can I do it with two babies, two babies? So we ultimately made the decision, of course, she needs to come to our home and we picked her up um, a couple hours later and... And so we have um, our son's little sister, too, and they have different fathers, so it's a different um, court process. Right. So we have we were lucky enough to adopt our son in November, November 18th. He officially became a stabber, and we are so excited over the moon. So I had the plan. We did court, and the second we were done with court, we ran to the church, and we had him baptized because that's something you... We cannot do until he's actually legally right. yours. So we had him baptized immediately um, following the court hearing. And, and that you was, had quite a crowd there. We had, we had a bit Aww. of a crowd, yeah. We had a lot of people supporting us and yeah. um, or laughing at us. I'm not sure which, but... <laughs> well, our- I mean, I, I love... Okay, so I just want to make a comment. I, I love the fact that the first thing you guys did after you adopted him was getting baptized. Because so often as priests, I see people holding off on baptism for various reasons, sometimes silly reasons. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you saw that from a faith perspective, from a Catholic faith perspective, that first thing we had to do, get our son baptized. Yes, I yeah, it that. was very important. And I was really chomping at the bit, and it was really bothering me that he wasn't formally baptized. So I, I you know, we, we all knew that that was the first thing we were going to do. And then immediately after the baptism, we had a little little party. Yeah. yeah, Aww. And it celebrated our boy. That was great. That's so cute. I do have another question about... So the girl, you still have to wait yes. until the process goes. But do you think that you'll be able to keep her as well? And then we'll have to let the courts determine that. Um, Is there uh, anybody that wants her? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. And we'll, the judges and the courts will just determine if where the best fit for her is. And that's something we're you know, highly concerned about. You yeah. know, of course, as I mentioned earlier, it takes us daubers 30 seconds to fall in love. So, you know, she is... Just our little sweet pea, and we love her to death, and and so does so does Theo, our son. He's he's loves his little sister, and yeah. it's going to be a heartbreak if she goes anywhere else. Um, and I do want to say that you know it's it's really a conflict in my heart about foster care, and probably for many people because there are parents involved here who love their children, mm-hmm. but they're in most cases, in all cases, because that's why the children are in foster care. They're not capable of taking care of themselves or the children, right? So. As a Christian and as a mother, I, I'm rooting for the moms and the dads to pull it together, to be healthy, to be to be productive citizens. At the same time, you have these little children who you don't want to experiment with either. You know, right. we want her to be safe and healthy and happy um, her whole life, and we don't want to risk it. Yes, but I so, find myself saying, you know, really praying for the parents to, you know, really pull it together and, and be a family. So it's, it's really a conflict in my heart a lot of the time. Now, when I first met you, I think you were part of the Women's Care Center. Yes. Um, so maybe speak to, you know, the pro-life part of this for you. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we, we're a pro-life family and we've done, you know, I've done a lot of work in the pro-life area in, in this area for the last 20 some years um, in one way or another. And this foster care in my mind has everything to do with being pro-life because we are asking these women 
please allow your babies to be born, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not all of them are capable of necessarily caring for the, their children after. So then what? Who's going to step up? Who, you got to put your money where your mouth is. And so this has everything to do with being pro-life and supporting those families and supporting the children and, and keeping them safe, you know. So I, I do believe that foster care is 100% pro-life. Yes. Yeah, I, I always wondered why they didn't do more like, instead of adopt animals on Saturday morning cartoons, why they didn't do more. There's all these p- parents that want children. Yeah. Put this on the TV. Like, mm-hmm. come and, ad- you know, I think there's been a bigger push in the last five years. I just know from uh, around my area, there's been a lot of people taking in kids, you know, fostering or adopting. So, I mean, it is starting to change a little, but it just seems there should be more emphasis on the adoption sure. part of it. Absolutely. And there's so many kids that need, you know, I think we have, we just have two. There's so many more that, that need care and love and security. It's amazing. So it's, it's, it's hundred percent pro-life. It's hundred percent needed. And we need more foster families, good foster families who have their hearts in the right places. It's, it's, you know, I mean, you think back of in yesterday, in yesteryear, it used to be orphanages. Mm-hmm. Orphanages are not a thing in the United States mm-hmm. so much anymore. Right. Yeah. And so fostering, it must be coming somewhat more common, right? I mean, well, it's, yeah, that's, that's the way it's taken care of, mm-hmm. but right. there's not enough families and not enough good families, right? So we've all hear on the news about the families who aren't necessarily in it for the right reasons. Well, right? That, so but, that gets back yeah. to my, to my question earlier is, uh, that I was going to ask is that if the pro that you said you'd made the comment that the process seems so easy to sign up for it, do you think that there should be more stringency on that? Cause you always hear in the evening news about some child that was abused in a foster parent setting. Right. I, well, they do a background check, you know, and, and you have, um, um, social workers and stuff who keep up, and the children have a guardian at litem. So social workers are through the county. The guardian at litem is through the state. So the guardian at litem is in the pure interest of the child, and they follow that child wherever they go. So that's someone who has eyes on the child for their interest and reports back to the court if the child is thriving. The social worker has a multi- multitask job also of um, where the children are placed, how the parents are uh, progressing because they give the parents a list, so to speak, of if you want to become a parent again, you need to do this, this, and this, and they monitor that. So um, I don't really have an answer for that. So, so would they show up? Would they ever show up unexpected? Not unexpected. Unexpected at my house. I'm not sure if they can. I mean, but I meet with them on a regular basis. Okay. Both the county social workers and the um, guardian at litem. I meet with them regularly. Come and they see the children at the house and the home and and how things are going, and we talk about how things are going. So I don't know if they can. They, I, you know, that's not something I'm Maybe if they have of. some suspicion or maybe, something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So, so are the kids still involved with, you know, helping? I oh, mean, yes. You, I know you guys talked about it, mm-hmm. discussed if they wanted to keep, you know, the boy. And what's his name? Theo. Theo. If they wanted to keep Theo, but are they still heavily involved? Because sometimes people get busy and then it all comes down and you're, it's like all on the mommy. That's a great question because you know how when your kids beg you for a puppy? Yep. <laughs> and yeah, I promise oh yeah. I'll feed I just them. did that. I just did that. <laughs> they beg you for a puppy and they'll take care of it. <laughs> well, it's kind of like that. But they, two of my sons are out of the house right now at college and working out of town, but they FaceTime regularly with Theo Aww. and he loves that. He's um, 17 months old now. So he's all about the phone already. Um, and my daughter, I have another son who, who's at home. He has special needs. He has Down syndrome. So he's, he's not necessarily into helping, but he likes to kiss and snuggle the kids. And then my daughter's 15 and she's a great, great big help. Okay. And my husband works out of town a lot, like I mentioned. And so he is 
on bottle duty and diaper duty and everything when he's home. He does a wonderful job of that. So, But, you know, it always falls on the mom. It is. It is I'm the one who's up in the middle of the night and taking care of and running the show and stuff. So it is. It's, it's hasn't been easy. I'm not going to act like I'm, you know, super mom and it's just been smooth and easy. It, it, and here's the most impressive thing of the whole thing. You don't drink coffee. I just don't know how you do it. I'm sitting here thinking about my own family, like how crazy it is and I how I would love coffee. to do that. But I'm just like, oh my gosh, where do I find the energy? How do you do it? I, the thing is, I don't necessarily think I have that much energy anymore. It's way different now in your fifties than it is, you know, 20 years ago, yeah. 30 years ago. And, um, that's the funny thing of it. You know, being up at night with the babies has really taken its toll on me. I'm, you know, I don't bounce back like I used to. And, but we're, we're getting through it. And it's, you know, it's, you just, when you're a mom, you fall in love. That's just the way it is. Yeah. You just, you're there to serve your family. And I'm not saying I don't complain sometimes. I've been known to complain once in a while about, you know, where is everybody? But, mm-hmm. you know. So, so, uh, Jody, if you were, I mean, we have a lot of listeners listening in right now. And, uh, you know, maybe some of them have had, you know, little inklings in their mind or in their heart about the idea of fostering. And what would you recommend? What would you, if somebody was toying with the idea, what would your recommendation be to people out there that are listening about foster care? I, I would say, I would say be a, be a leader. The world needs more. The world needs more leaders. And lead from your home. The children need you. Uh, you know, you can survive the broken heart if it comes. Every Every foster care situation is different and it takes twists and turns. It's unexpected. You don't know, you know, just like we got a call for baby number two, sister, you know, what are you going to do? But it's worth it. hundred percent worth it. Um, it's worth every sleepless night. It's worth every tear you shed. It's worth every, every, everything. Because, you know, what I keep telling myself and my family and my friends that God doesn't care if I went on vacation, right? He doesn't care. He's not, when I get to the gates, he's not going to say, how many vacations did you get done? I hope you enjoyed them. You know, I want to serve the Lord in this way. And this is how my family wants to serve the Lord, and we felt called to do it. And clothing his naked and feeding his hungry. And I, I don't mean to sound um, righteous and all that, but this is just a, a way that I can serve the Lord, and I'm very happy to serve the Lord this way. And it, it's very tangible, and there's so much need mm-hmm. that if you have an inkling to do it, just investigate and see where it takes you. You know, and you might find it's, it's not fitting for you or you know and there's all kids of all different ages you know you don't have to take an infant you don't have to take a sibling group you know there's all kinds of ways to get involved and you can do respite care for for people like myself who have foster children who need to be gone for a week or something Mm -hmm. they need people to do respite care just for that week and there's many ways to get involved in our county st louis county has been extremely wonderful and to work with and professional and just uh, great to work with. So I would encourage anyone that's considering it to just look into it and see where it leads you and see if God's calling you to do it and pray, pray, pray about it. Yeah. Pray, pray, pray. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you very much for coming in, Jody. It's a, it's a great and uh, compelling uh, uh, story that you guys have and uh, and thanks for sharing it with the listeners. It's I appreciate being able to share it. that. Thank you. Yeah. We need updates on the girl then. Yes. Too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just let him know. You, you, know. you can have me back. Have me back <laughs> yeah. later. Okay. All right. Well, thank you again very much, Jody. So, uh, uh, after this short break, we'll be back with Patrice Menner from the Diocese of Duluth right after this brief break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 